Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, we praise you and thank you for the ways that you reach out to us with your love and mercy, for sending us um, light, even light that uh, pierces the darkness of our hearts. And Lord, on this first Friday, we do ask that you would um, grant us um, a sensitivity to your heart, the beating heart of love that is uh, in your heart for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd pour forth an anointing, pour forth gifts and graces upon us, that we would serve you well today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And Lord, um, just shepherd us through this program. Help us to speak in a way that will encourage um, many, many listeners. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Carrie, we got a lot to cover as we as we do. I think in the first part of this program, folks, it may even overflow as often our themes do. Um, talk about uh, like a movement emerging, interestingly, that's very Catholic, but not among Catholics. Uh, a, a movement that's emerging that's very Catholic in its history and in its expressions, but it's emerging among non-Catholic Christians, it, among some Christians too. Um, and and we'll talk about that. It, it's connected to this idea of um, uh, kind of like the Benedict option. Um, the in the second part of the program, I think uh, we'll have a chance to talk about um, one of the biggest battles that many people are facing right now, and that has to do with um, smartphones and the internet, and let's call it even an addiction to our smartphones. Um, I. And how we, we've talked about that, but we're going to explore it a little bit more existentially today. I like that word. I like throwing out big philosophical terms, Carrie. Can you spell that? Exit, T-H-A-T. <laughs> there you go. That's how one of our kids, most of our kids would have responded to you, how clever they are. And then uh, in the third part of the program, we'll have a chance to talk about um, St. John, St. Robert Bellarmine. Um, Oh, today, to, on Thursday when we're recording this, it was his feast day. And in the Office of Readings, he has a really beautiful uh, 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 beautiful speech he gave at the Council of Trent. And I'm like, this was spoken in, like, in the 1560s in the Council of Trent? This is really profound, relevant to today stuff. So I, I can't wait that. to that. I, love I can't that. wait to get to Well, wait till you hear what he says. You're not going to... Uh, <laughs> like it so much? <laughs> it's not so pleasant. It's going to make you want to go back to keto. I can't. So, <laughs> it'll, it'll give you all the spiritual inspiration you need to, to go rigorously into keto. Let's just put it that way. So I did not get to watch your movie that you recommended. Well, I know you fell short. And I, I accept or forget. You're, are you repenting? Is this is this absolutely telling? not? You're not. Okay. Uh, what's the name of the movie, Tom? That you oh, were? Oh, Molly the movie. Molly. Yeah. 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 Did and, you watch Free Burma Rangers? I did. I, I watched a YouTube video that was about three minutes long. Okay. Uh, but I did not watch uh, about from that family. But I didn't watch the movie yet. Okay. So uh, I have no excuse. I, I, if I did have an excuse, it was that I was so busy with other stuff. I had to watch Hallmark instead, so I, that's... Wow, you're much more... Is that more, an excuse? Oh, that's not really an excuse. That's no, just... That, that's like repentance. Like That's so, confession. But am I actually repenting? That's the thing. See, that's why... Are you flaunting your sin? I don't think I'm flaunting. I'm thinking, like, what's wrong with me? Well, in fact, that that's kind of like a key theme. Are we going to go to our second theme first? You want to begin with I that? I don't even know where we're headed, Tom. All right. Well, let's let's actually start with that. Just talking. So, I know that you and I have talked uh, for many years about the 
seductive, even overwhelming power of the internet in the lives of our kids. And one of the things that that has um, prompted today among um, some, uh, let's say, popular Christian pastors and teachers is a desire to shed the things of the world. And and one of the major things they're shedding is technology and a, a, a kind of going out into the desert. Um, and that's really striking to me. I, honestly, I was not aware of it. It was something that you brought to my attention, Carrie. Um, I think you were the one who actually brought to my attention the book, uh, uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by the pastor John Mark Comer. Uh, he was at that point pastoring a, a church down in um, Oregon, in Portland. And um, uh, and we read it as a book club book. And one of the things that I remember Father Nagel and Father uh, Lewis uh, saying was how Catholic this guy was. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, his from that book. Yeah. Well, in the book, he he identifies like here are disciplines to help you overcome uh, hurry, like this ruthless elimination of hurry, and, and how we're just overwhelmed with just distractions in our lives. And it was silence and solitude oh, and yes. simplicity. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Are you listening to my talks? Are you reading like Catholic stuff here? And it was absolutely, he was leaning on the great Catholic tradition of spirituality uh, and drawing from it uh, really very abundantly and applying it today. Um, well, since then, in the past year, he has like taken a shift um, away from that role of, as pastor and he went off kind of like into the wilderness in order to live a more rigorous form of discipline of life. Again, a very Catholic thing to do. And it was very much um, um, sort of modeled after St. Benedict, St. Benedict of Nursia. Well, his latest book was Live No Lies, and it's all around the, the things you always speak about, the three enemies that sabotage peace, the enemy or the devil... The, flesh. the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah. Hello. Whatever. Hello. Is that like is that like, Catholic <laughs> theology? Is that well? It's it's scriptural, but it has taken shape in. He's um, the only one I know that repeats it over and over among the Protestant, among Protestant. pastors that yeah. I listen to. Isn't that something? That is really. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. So he, but he goes to that that abbey down in right. Oregon, and he spends time there. But he's now on a nine month sabbatical, right? And so he's coming up with the seven. He's he's coming up with the rules of life or the rule of life after the Benedictine monks. And he doesn't call them like saints. He refers to them as the... The, the spiritual fathers and mothers? Yeah. Oh, the, the fathers of the desert the and mothers of the yeah, desert. I don't know who the mothers... I was listening to that. And you're like, were there any mothers of the desert? <laughs> Who's the mothers I'm of like, the oh, desert? Hey, he is in Portland. He's being inclusive, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. But so he's right now writing about in depth about the nine uh, rules. The nine uh, rules that make up a rule of that life. Make up a rule of life, correct. And so it's silence, simplicity, solitude, Sabbath, prayer, something like generosity. Do, do you know which ones I might be missing? I, I don't know off the off the top of my head. Um, I mean, he kind of, do you think he just came up with these based uh, on? Obviously, he's drawing from, right? He's drawing from like probably the rule of St. Benedict. Okay. Um, and the, then other... Uh, again, other great rules of life. I that, think he's actually going into 
Benedict. Benedict. The, the rule because of St. Benedict. Fasting was one, and then vocation, which I never hear Protestants use that word. Yeah, that's true. They'll talk about mission often or purpose, but the idea of vocation is is more clearly, again, a theme connected to the states in life, something that is uh, very Catholic. I think a lot of these pastors are looking at what's happening in the culture in this like post-Christian world we're living in and trying to figure out how do you move forward, how do you flourish, how do you be a real disciple of Christ and not get caught up in just being culturally Christian or culturally Catholic, which is no longer working. And they're just looking at the thousands and thousands of people leaving the churches that don't have that that formation and that heart for Christ. And so here's how I'll say it. It is it's it's an it is a new emphasis than the one that I have focused on. Like for so many years, even counted in decades in ministry, I was like be fully in the world without being of the world. So that you engage, like with the internet and technology and with the things that are happening in the world. And if you're going to have your family in the world, then you engage. And for us, a lot of that was sports, right? And and, and the and the things that were really popular at the time. So that, that sense of engagement was engagement with the world and do so with an authentic Catholic Christian spirit. Right, so I think that was our general mode of things. Was our hope that our kids would just pick up by osmosis and being in church, their faith with Christ and in the family? Right, I mean, it was principally what we were doing in the home, and then co- complementing that with what happens in their in the schooling, the Catholic schools, and in their parish life, and then let that overflow into the friends. Right? Yeah, it just feels like Tom, things have changed so quickly in the last decade. And in the last two decades, because, you know, we lamented that we were seeing just a, um, a loss of faith in so many of my nieces and nephews, our nieces and nephews. And then you continue to see it, but even now it's being replaced or it's, I guess I feel like people are being evangelized. It's just not with a Christian faith anymore. It's just this secular, yeah, self-focused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Carrie, so this is this is sort of where we've always gone. We've always gone to this idea that says, instead of engaging with this idea that you can be ruthlessly positive and bring the message of Christ as an attractive alternative to the darkness of the world, we now said, no, wait a minute now, we've got to speak prophetically against the bad stuff that's happening. And then maybe like run from the world. So we use that image of find your refuge in Egypt for the baby. <laughs> do you, do right? you like how you have to explain to me my history of what we've done? Well, like I forget how it all goes and like, but I do actually forget like, okay, what did we do again? How did we do? <laughs> okay, so, but, so here's the thing. It's, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like St. Jerome, right? He, he left Rome. He went to the caves of Jerusalem, and guess what he finds outside of Jerusalem? And, and, and he finds, oh, the dancing girls in Rome went with him. Right, meaning it is imagination. Okay. So you think you're leaving the world behind and its toxic effects, and guess what? It sneaks in the back door, and all of a sudden your your rights still there. And I think can I just say this? It just seems crazy to me that the Desert Fathers left in the time they did to get closer to Christ when they didn't have Netflix or the Seahawks or transportation in 24-hour restaurants and just. I'm just thinking of all the pleasures that we have and all the ability. Just call it comforts. How about this? 
how the, all the ability we have in our culture today to seek riches. Like, I don't know if people could move up the ladder socially as easily during the Desert Father time or in any time than as today. But I mean, I don't know if that's still a thing. I think it's still a thing. Um, but just your ability, if you are born in the United States, I'm not saying if you're born in another country that it's going to be easy as easy. But just your ability to seek after riches, if you really, really want it, and you're hardworking, and you get after it, you can find riches. I don't know if that was a thing always in people's place in life. But I'm just also just dumbfounded at the, not just that, the cares. Okay, this is all from the scripture about the sower, the Mark seed. Mark let's go. <laughs> the cares and so anxieties, yeah. that, that sense of entanglement. You're talking about the of, seeds being sown on different soil. And yes. those are the seeds that are sown among the brambles and thorns. Excellent, Dad. Jesus associates them with the cares and the anxieties of the world. But don't you feel like our anxieties and what our kids are bearing and what is in the culture today is far more entangled than it was I don't even know, 600 years ago, 1,000 years ago, whenever... Well, Carrie, 15 years ago. Just go back prior to the iPhone. Yes, 20 prior years ago. Prior to social media platforms, prior to the like the dominance of the internet in people's lives, especially around streaming. I mean, I think, and not, I think that was like one relief was getting to a slower pace of life. Like, okay, I don't have to race and run and walk faster and eat faster and, you know, drive faster. I felt like... Um, you know, we could slow down a little bit, but I'm still looking at my life and at our culture going, I just think I'm still stuck in those temptations. Okay, so this is where I feel like John Mark Comer's second book actually speaks a third insight. And that insight is live no lies. So in other words, we have moved from the idea of being fully engaged with the world to an idea that says we have to Stand up, go first, speak out, and um, push back, right? So lead, provide, protect. So lead means you're going to go first, you're going to speak out, you're going to provide, and you're going to protect, you're going to push back, right? So that's our call. Um, And so we're not going to run, just run away and hide. No, we're going to do those things. But it's like the dancing girls accompanying Jerome, Uh, what... John Macomber is saying is in his book, are you living a lie? Is there anything about your life that is not radiant and radiating Christ? Is Christ the Lord of your whole life? Or insofar as you're not, you are living a lie. And that, man, that cuts deep. Because even though we're living in an environment, a wider context and among people that is so much less toxic and so much more healthy for ourselves and our kids, well, guess what? The lies can follow. My phone still followed me here. Your phone, uh, there, there's the dancing <laughs> girls, the, the phone followed. Well, and we'll talk about that more of this in a more up against a break, Carrie, back in a minute. And we're going to dive into this more fully in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, uh, whose birthday's tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Harry, pe- some people weren't here at the beginning. Did they you need some more gift cards? They weren't or? here <laughs> at the beginning. This is Tom, my birthday's tomorrow. Come on. <laughs> and um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I have a birthday story. This Come is on. how I got stuck on your show. Oh, sorry. This is how I got blessed to help you, my husband. And I'm not even stuck on it. Like you were really enjoying it and you were stuck on stuck, it. You had to listen just, to it. Yep. That too. That, that was too. when I did your birthday. Uh, really? 
Yes. I didn't know we that. We turned 50. So seven years seven ago. Seven years ago. Wow. I did that little birthday montage and Amy helped me put, and we recorded all these different voices of saying oh, Thomas. Oh, I was listening. Oh Thomas my goodness. That. And we oh, like that. called Father Tom and Mary Lamon. Oh, and Patrick and your brother and your parents. We should, we should replay that one. Should we replay that? We should ask Jimmy, Amy to dig or Amy that to dig that up. up. Wow, you got all those people. A lot of people. Oh, yeah, that was goodness. so awesome of me. <laughs> I don't know where that person went, but hey, are you are you telling me this is I should expect something yes, tomorrow like yes. that? Uh, are we going to actually go to some cut? No, we're not. <laughs> Live Dad, not by lies, dear. You do Live like Dude Perfect, not- right? They're pl- they're tomorrow being pre- performing in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, no. that, okay. So Live No Lies, not Live Not By Lies. Yeah, that was the Rod Dreher book. The other book. This is Live No Lies. Live No Lies. And, and that's John Mark Comer, C-O-M-E-R. Um, I haven't read it yet. so I haven't read it either, Tom. I'm going to get it, though. Well, if you want, he has... I think it's good. Uh, well, a little hack into it. I don't know if... Uh, he has a, just a six-series podcast, really short. I think they're like 25, 40 minutes each, not even... He, has different people on and I don't and it goes into parts of his book but it really wasn't about his book and specifically it was more about like what is themes kind of what's happening in the culture today which yeah. I found really helpful to frame my own life and like where do I fit in and how does this fit in the context of history and Christianity and faith well in one of them is actually uh, the one I want to pick up so in one of the podcasts Carrie he was interviewing um, another pastor who was also sort of on that same journey where it's like, what about my life is not corresponding to the gospel? And what about my life is not focused on what ultimately matters, which is Jesus Christ and my relationship with him? Am I glorifying him in all that I say, think, and do uh, and, and avoid, right? Is my life glorifying to the Lord? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna a little later tell you about the homily I listened to about purgatory. That'll shake you up a little bit. Is that an, on top of Saint Bellarmine? Yeah. Yes. I got a lots of content. Wow, Carrie. Should we just do like a the double, a fidelium. twofer? Yes, we should. Two for one for your birthday, Dad. Uh, so for your birthday. Let me come back around because in the um, in that podcast he mentions uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? So he was a Lutheran priest and pastor who was part of this sort of underground church movement. Um, where they were withstanding um, Hitler and the the rise of Nazism, and he spoke out against it. And you know what he did? He went first, he spoke out, and he pushed back. And he did it courageously. He did it um, with uh, with with a degree of whoa, hey, 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 you're getting a little bit too much, too you know, radical, too extreme. This, you know, I don't, I don't know if you should be doing that. Yes. And and his response was. Our witness has to be more magnetic, more like a light generating than that darkness of that army that is so overwhelming to people. So when people saw an overwhelming force coming against them, and they didn't know a Christian response, a Catholic response, a biblical response, they just literally rolled over. They rolled over and let the oppression of that moment, just slowly, just squelch them, slowly, like, close them in where they did not have, like, any clear vehicle to stand up, go first, speak out, and push back. And um, 
and what is what happens to Bonhoeffer? Well, he ends up being killed in a, in a um, uh, concentration camp days before Hitler ends his life. Doesn't Hitler say something about having him killed? Uh, Hitler wanted him killed before he killed himself. So he was very so, aware of this person and oh, his light that yeah. he was shining in the darkness. Yes, for sure. So uh, it's so it's amazing, right? Like here's Hitler, and and he's afraid of a little Lutheran priest in prison, uh, uh, and and the witness that he was given because he was convicting. speaking up, so convicting, speaking rather than just falling, rolling over. And just going along with, just yes. the compromise of just going along with. And and here's the funny thing. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. But there are parallels in the voices I hear today and in, in every day, like so many days um, in, in the last month or so, as the mandates have been amped up and ramped up um, in the state of Washington I'm getting more and more calls from people who are like, all of a sudden now, I'm faced with this, like, it's not a conceptual dilemma. It's just a dilemma in my mind where it's like, oh, it's kind of hard, put on more Netflix. No, this dilemma means I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to worship and go to church the way that I want or participate in my community the way I want, and my church doesn't have my back. I mean, it really is about freedom. It, it, it's about freedom it so, as a citizen <laughs> and freedom like, in faith. I just I find it mind-boggling that you have a state right next to each other, Washington and Idaho, and they couldn't be more different regarding freedoms. So this one family I, just, I talked to... It's astounding. So Carrie, I, uh, I've mentioned a few times on the radio that... Uh, I really do feel this new mission and ministry to help families make whatever move they need to make. They need to find their own Egypt, their own place of refuge. If they're feeling that sense of being crushed down and overwhelmed and closed off. And so this one family contacted me. I reached out to them. They were in Florida and they're like, we're so disoriented down here because it's like almost the complete opposite. Oh, they're from Seattle, but they're, they're, from, they're in Western Washington. They went down to Florida okay. for their anniversary, and they um, and they ca- they called me from down there, and they're like, "Well, we want to talk to you about our experience of being in Western Washington, which was we feel paralyzed, and we feel confused. How confused? about confused? Like it's very confusing. We don't know what to do, and we don't know where to get guidance. We don't know what to do, and it's like." We, we believe in our own like freedom. Like, why, why don't I have the freedom to choose how it is I'm going to best manage my own health decisions? And if I don't give in to the mandate, I'm going to lose my job. Wait a minute. My job is how I provide for my family. Wait a minute. My job is how I take care of my, my home and, and pay my bills. And This is my neighborhood. How come I can't live in my neighborhood the way I want to anymore? How come I can't go into the church anymore that I want to go into uh, in, in the same way? And, and it's like, Wow, in the last 19 months, the oppression has just gotten layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. To think that I can't go eat in that restaurant anymore. I can't go to that public event anymore. I can't. And if I go into the church, well, I'm going to have to stand socially distanced and I have to wear a mask. And um, I and- guess, I mean, I guess you could put up with it for a time. But for me, I, I'm like, why would I even want to live in an environment where it's that oppressive, where the people who are leading me, that are in charge are that controlling and they're that anti-freedom and they're that anti 
choice as well, to how and, you want to live. And the weird thing is, is just that so mind-boggling that some of the same church leaders emphasize the importance of conscience. Like you know, you can't be too harsh on people in terms of the decisions they make in their lives because you know what God has given them their conscience, and in their conscience they have to discover what is true for them, and then they get to act out of their own conscience. They lead with that so cleverly in in when it comes to moral matters that. Uh, they don't agree with the church's teaching. They consider it too harsh or outdated. But in this matter, oh no, there is no right uh, to exercise your own conscience when it comes to your own health issues. It's interesting. Anyhow, let's move on to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't so, want to talk about the addiction I know, I know. Sorry. to yeah, so, the... So this <laughs> live no lies, Carrie, is, it is a fascinating thing to see the way that this these people are translating it. And what these people are saying is, like, these people have been part of a community that is fully engaged, that is standing up, speaking out, and pushing back. Yes. And what did they say? That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because too much of the world was still clinging to them at in ways that maybe they didn't appreciate. And I want to say the number one thing, the number one thing that was the telltale sign that the world was still secretly like pulling them into living a lie was the smartphone. It was the internet. And there is a kind of addiction we have. There is a kind of stranglehold that our own connected devices, I don't even want to call it a smartphone, uh, our connected devices have become such a um, a lifeline to us that we feel paralyzed if we're, we're not in the presence of that device for very short periods of time, and I might—I know that might sound a little bit um, overspoken, but I think that's true in a lot of cases. Well, I think, um, Tom, with what I was listening to, they're really looking at how do you take what the monastic movement did and bring it to bear in today's culture, and how does your life look like? Like, how do your relationships look like? How your money? or your job, or how you spend time on social media, or on your phone, or your thought life, or um, your ideologies. And so they're really trying to say, let's look more closely. I'm going to give you the word that the spiritual writers used in our tradition, attachments. And I think addiction could be part of that, but I think that's a stronger, like we associate addiction with like liquid or pills, like you take a substance. But addiction psychology says it's actually just something that you cannot do without, that it festers like an attachment. Yeah, it's an attachment that you could call a bondage, right? So that it has, um, it, it has become something that, it, it has, it's become a stronghold. Um, like in, um, in spiritual warfare and demonic influence, there is, um, there is the the the, revel, the, the level of um, oppression mm -hmm. where you get this sense of all of Seattle oppressed. <laughs> Sorry, well, all of King uh, County. <laughs> Carrie, you're so funny. Um, no, that just that sense of just like it's a constant, unrelenting uh, temptation, uh, being shown images of evil, evil thoughts, evil uh, ideas, you know, all this stuff pressing in on you. But that, that that's still. It has a degree of separation from you, right? You still have that sense of interior freedom. But the second level is obsession. 
in in obsession is when there is bondage. You are spiritually enslaved. Now, not at the level of the will, but at the level of your passions. Like it's not within your will, but you're powerless in your will to overcome this bondage. And so there is a... So setting like those phone alarms to get off your phone, those little timers to get off Instagram, or setting this little sleep thing that says, okay, it's time for you to put your phone down. It's time to get your hour quiet. Oh yeah, I have them all on my phone. (laughs) They always go on. I go, swipe, swipe. (laughs) Oh yeah, they have all sorts of little things. Or they, well, why do you think Apple puts on your phone? Now you can manage your manage your screen time because they know it's such a issue for people you think they want they want that off i think yeah i'm I'm doubtful of apple's like goodwill in in giving you the ability to track how much time you're on your phone but that's a second that's a separate conversation i think of it as um, the degree to which we are enslaved by our phones we're not free like if if you and i are honest to god here we are like we're recording this and it's Early in the evening. Now. Did you want me to get my Bible? I swear to tell the whole truth. I swear the to you, truth, Jesus. No, you and don't nothing do that. but the truth. Say, just say yes when you say. So help me, God. Yes. And if I were to say that for the rest of the night, you and I didn't have access to our phones, like God bless us for four hours, we just put our phones away and didn't look at them. Could we do it? Well, See, yes, I could do it. Yeah, no problem? No. Would you feel the itch? Would you oh, feel the yes. pull? Would you feel the tug? Would you say, what's going on? Would you want to reach for it? you say, well, wait a minute, isn't it in my pocket? Where am I carrying it around? I just think it's way more easy to grab the phone than to put the phone away. And so I think that's where there's no real barrier. I think we put it in the, sa- the gun safe for a few We did that. It was mostly the kids' phones. I don't think we, no, put, we put... You put yours in. But then we couldn't get the gun safe opened anymore. <laughs> getting stuck. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is not working because I needed my phone. <laughs> um. I think I think part of me is I can see how much hardware or what's it called like your your hard drive how much space is taken up in my mind with um the phone and you know you said oppression is this evil I don't feel like the phone is evil I just think it's distracting and it's the pleasures of the world and it's it's enjoyment. distracting it's dispersing and it's diverting yeah. right so those I, are the three enemies right so of the I'm spiritual not, life there I'm not going deeper. I'm not taking serious. That's dispersion, right? You're being diverted by little games and and goofy movies. Sorry, <laughs> Wait, I'm being harsh here. Goofy? I watching chess videos is actually valuable. Hey, I can justify that. I did justify playing games while I'm watching the news. It's like I've gotten very efficient on my phone. Like I kind of so like play this. All that meant the brain capacity to multitask yeah, to play a silly? little. Spider solitaire? Is oh, that what it's called? Dad, it's so I don't hard. even know what it's called. It's just spider solitaire. It's not solitaire. It's spider solitaire. Oh, so it's, it's Four more suits. complicated. Four suits. Nice. You got to figure out all the suits. Anyhow, I think if I am like watching the news or watching a show that's pre-recorded, so I'm not watching any commercials. I zip through those. You're really good at this. I waste you're, a you're second. good at rationalizing. <laughs> so that's, I'm, I love that now I can watch something you're and justified. play a game. At the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally justifying it. it but, but regardless of all that, it's, am I reading prayer books? Right. Am I reading and, and meditating on the saints? Am I reading and meditating on scripture? Am I just taking time? I want time to talk about that. I to want to talk, talk about, there's a couple of parts of that that I want to dig into, but we're up, up against a break, and we'll do this in a minute on Sound Insight. 
Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm along with my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, if folks want to listen to this program, they can go to Apple Podcasts, which they can find on mycatholicfaith.org. Go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can actually reach out to me there, leave a comment for Carrie or for me. Hey, if I can be of service to you in helping you find your place of refuge, I would love to do that. It's a beautiful mission and ministry of mine, whether that's helping you find a new home. Uh, you can buy or sell your home. I'm happy to help you with that as well. But just making the move. If you need to make a move from where you're at to another place, I would love to help you. Just go to mycatholicfaith.org. Leave me a note right there. You can contact me. And while you're there, download free resources, free digital resources, audio, video, books, uh, all available for you at no cost. It's my gift to you. Uh, so I'd love to be able to connect with you on mycatholicfaith.org. Carrie, um, before the break, um, you mentioned about um, uh, this way in which the the smartphone is di- it it's diverting. It, it takes us away from what is our authentic call. It distracts us. It just gives us temptations to pull us away, and it also um, uh, it also uh, disperses. It takes all of that focus and energy we have, and it just spreads it out across things that are just not worthy. Um, I here's my question: How would you suggest? that a spouse, because I know that there are a lot of wives listening to this and they're thinking, oh my goodness, that's my husband. And there are a number of husbands listening to this who are saying, hey, that's my wife. What would you suggest would be a way for the spouse who wants to like intervene into the amount of time and attention and energy that their spouse is giving to that, rather than to God, rather than to godly things and spiritual things, what would you consider like some good ways or good things to say to get your spouse to change their behavior? Um, I'd recommend a hammer or a mallet, just something that you can just (laughs) smash that phone with and be done with it. That's good, dear. Are you serious? So you can, can you be the hammer in speech? Is there something to say? You know, I don't feel like my, one of my sisters asked me about, you know, reaching out to her kids. I'm like, here, give them a podcast link. Give them an article to read. Give them something that's not coming from you that says, hey, I found this really interesting. And find a source of someone or somebody who is kind of blazing the path with um, positivity and conviction, but not necessarily preachy, but giving truth. Um, I don't feel like for us to have that conversation, like even having this conversation with you, we get a little bit testy with each other. And it's not like we're both here, both willingly saying, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Like, I'm pointing the finger at me. You're pointing the finger at your, yourself. Well, Carrie, you know, I think about this that, um, you know, it, it it can be frustrating. When I think about that idea of take the hammer, right? That, that for me is like, there's a level of frustration here. It's like, why are we settling for less? And, and that for me, this actually links me to that purgatory homily. And um, in it, this priest goes off and talks about the importance of praying for the souls in purgatory. Um, and when he did that, because what's purgatory about? Purgatory is about, it's purging, right? It's about cleansing and preparing. It, it's very much Exodus time in the desert. Okay. Purgatory is like the time in the desert where you have to be purged from the attachments to slavery in Egypt, and you need to be formed in a fitting way for the promised land that you're going to enter into. So think of purgatory like the time in the desert. It sits between the place of slavery and the promised land of good things. And so 
When I think about the time I need to spend in purgatory, it has to do with making up for the damage that my sins have caused in my own life, in my own life. And then the other part is conforming my life most fully to fittingly enjoy, perfectly enjoy heaven. All I know is this, I'm not ready on either count. I am not fully cleansed and I am not fittingly prepared. And that's kind of a, it's it's not just like a scary thought. Like one of the the ideas I think that floats around sometimes in Catholic heads is, you know, like as long as I get in purgatory, I'll be okay. And this guy's homily was kind of like, let me just shake that thought right out of your head. Like don't aim for purgatory, aim for heaven. Aim for heaven and your purgatory is going to be a lot shorter than it could be. And he went in and he told all these like, these examples of these souls that were in purgatory that appeared to these saints, like St. Catherine of Genoa and these other saints, and and relayed how long they were going to be in purgatory because of uh, sins that had not yet um, been um, had been forgiven, but satisfaction hadn't yet been uh, made for the damage that that sin caused, and and so there was it's like physical therapy. Right, you can feel bad that you did that thing and you caused a twisted ankle or you know a hurt to your you know your knee or whatever, but there's a lot of physical therapy that's needed to get that back in action. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there is a um, uh, Matt Frad on Pints of Aquinas. He just did a um, forty minute podcast on how he's loved not having his his phone for like three months, and then he does speak very convincingly about getting rid of it. And it, you know, when you hear it from this place, it's like, oh, that there's this resistance. There's this like, oh, what, why would I have to get rid of it? I need it for maps, or I need it to get a hold of my kids, or I need it for real estate, or I need it to look at houses, or I need it to listen to. The... So, you know, he goes into that. And I think when we resist sin initially, there's that, oh, I, you kind of want to grab tighter, the, the more you feel like you're going to lose it. But then when you're free from that addiction, you're free from that bondage, it is like, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait for the other side of joy and freedom and disentanglement where I can now enjoy you know, time at night just with the fire on and reading a really good book or reflecting on something and having a conversation with you, Tom, versus you being on a phone watching a chess video and me being on the phone watching a Hallmark show in the same room and just really tired at the end of the night and so in our mind, like, oh, this is just our little space to like, you know, we watched TV 30 years ago, we'd watch a show together. So it's not like we didn't have that space to be entertained, but there's something that's so much more entangling with social media and with all the emails and with all the comparisons and um, anxiety that you just, like, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just end up on Facebook or I'll end up on Instagram for no good reason. Or I'll be like, oh, I'm going to look up this. I'm going to look up that. And in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm just, it just wastes. Waste. That was the word I was going to say. It was so much time. It's not about anxiety. It's about waste. It, it, it's the sadness of wasted time. It's like, to think that I have a short amount of time left here on earth and I would waste it on unworthy uses. It makes me sad, Tom, because I feel like for me to reconnect with the Lord in in this deep joy, this longing I have in my heart to meet him, and I know that that those steps forward takes effort and takes a, a level of discipline and I feel like the phone is the biggest 
hindrance to me growing in my my faith and so to that, me reflecting. Like, just like if you say that again out loud, right? The biggest hindrance to me growing in my faith isn't where you're living. It isn't your friendships. It isn't your um, your, uh, your your community, right? You have you've been given such riches in your friendships and the schooling and the parish and in, in the in the place where we're living. So much has been just you've been preserved from and yes. so much you've been lavished upon. And yet at the same time, how much more is available to us if we were only willing, just, here's the word, to suffer. Hey, just give the Lord an out her night in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Give him the two hours that I spend watching something and fiddling with something else. What could God do in our lives if we just gave him two hours every night to pray and seek him, to intercede, to go before him, to reflect, to to come up with... Who are you? I'm just saying... This is this like a birthday gift? <laughs> yeah. This is a birthday Happy gift? birthday, honey. Yes. Where's the hammer? Well, smash this phone right now. You're going to well, hear it. Here's the funny thing. It's like... I. I this is this is like that engagement st- stage. The engagement stage, it's you can do it all and have it all and still be faithful to the call. And now that we've we've pulled back and said, no, we're going to stand up, speak out, push back, go first. We're not going to be afraid to live in this place of refuge and, and still be a voice. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're still engaged. We're still trying to have it all when it comes to the use of the smartphone and the use of the internet. It's like, you know what? Do we have to ruthlessly, rigorously sever this from our lives? I think I do. I, you know, I, I appreciate. You said that Matt Frad used a phrase I hadn't heard it before, and I really liked it. He said, "I don't have a smartphone. I have a wise phone." And I'm like, "Oh, I love that phrase." Well, that's actually a phone he has that some guys down in Texas made him. They make phones that don't that have like um, you can like it has a map on it. Yes, and, and you can get calls, some texts and phone calls. And you can text. Super simple, and you can. I think they're working on now. You can download some music. Or you can download some podcasts if you go like on a road trip. But it's super. It's a wise phone. It doesn't control. It's not a temptation. Right, you don't have social media platforms, no. which is really the huge thing. And then it doesn't have games. So if you can just get rid of those two things in Safari. To search everything oh, yeah. and look up everything. Right, right. There news. you go. Well, that's, yeah, internet <laughs> connection. Internet if, connection. If you're not like connected to the World Wide Web, if you don't have social media platforms and you don't have games, you've gotten rid of 95% of trouble spots. Yes. Um, uh, on the smartphone. Now, it's so funny. You say that out loud and you think, oh, well, let's just do that. But try to live that. Try to live no lies. And it's like, wow, I am in such bondage. I am so attached. To be able to do that, wow, God bless us. All right, back in a minute. We're going to learn from St. Robert Bellarmine. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Kerry, I went to the same school as a saint. Who's Actually, that? as a doctor of the church. Robert Bellarmine. Where did he go to school? The Gregorian University. Oh, he did. How cool is that? Did you know that? Yeah, so that okay. was one of the, talk about a good sales pitch. Like oh. when they gave us the seminarians, because we had a choice. We could go to the Gregorian or the Angelicum. The Angelicum was the um, the Dominican University of St. Thomas Aquinas. The Gregorian was the Jesuit University, both in Rome, right? And so when they gave us a tour, they walked us into the um, lecture hall at the bottom floor. And up around the um, the top of the, like the where the um, the seating area was, is this is... The, the same room that these people were in. And they're pointing at these popes 
the saints and the doctors of the church that were in that room studying theology. That's what's so cool when you go to Europe is just that sense of time and history just gets like blown open. Like we're living in this like little area where it's, you know, a hundred years old. Yeah. Well, and, and you think about it and you're like Hebrews chapter 13, right? The cloud of witnesses, the saints that cheer us on, that see us and know us. And they recognize the challenges we're facing. And they're like, we are praying for you. We are praying for you. And it's like, um, that idea that there are a cloud of witnesses that are looking at right now. And just like, I, I would think about that, you know, I was in the room, in the lectures and look around and I'm like, these great saints are, they're, they're actually, they were in the room and, and they're still seeing the room. They're still actually interceding. And I'm like, dang, that is motivating. It's motivating to say, I don't want to live by lies, right? I, I want to I play my part. Like, I want to get my name up on that wall. Right, I want to get a picture up there. Like, let's let's go for the top. Let's let's strive to be saints, right? So, um, so I, I've got my like office of readings, but you have you've got stuff too. Do you want to do your quote first? Oh no, go ahead. I love. I want to hear about your. Okay. So this was from the last synod. I don't know if it was the Council of Trent. It just says the office of reading says it was the last synod he attended, um, which could be a gathering of bishops. It might be just in um, Milan where he was the archbishop. He says this, I admit that we are all weak, but if we want help, the Lord God has given us the means to find it easily. One priest may wish to lead a good holy life as he knows he should. He may wish to be chaste and to reflect heavenly virtue in the way he lives, yet he does not resolve to use suitable means, such as penance, prayer, the avoidance of evil discussions, and harmful and dangerous friendships. Ooh, Oops. Oops. In, in other words, oh, we want the end. We just don't want the means to the mm-hmm. end, right? Another priest complains that as soon as he comes into church to pray the office or to celebrate Mass, a thousand thoughts fill his mind and distract him from God. But what was he doing in the sacristy before he came out for the office or for Mass? How did he prepare? What means did he use to collect his thoughts and to remain recollected? And it's like, hello, right? This is back in Kerry, the 1500s. Oh, they struggled with sin? That disease? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like this is pastoral guidance that is so relevant. Would you like me to teach you how to grow from virtue to virtue and how if you're already recollected at prayer, you can even more be more attentive next time and so give God more pleasing worship. Listen, and I'll tell you, if a tiny spark of God's love already burns within you, do not expose it to the wind yes. for it may get blown out. Keep the stove tightly shut so that it'll not lose its heat and grow cold. In other words, avoid distractions. As well as you can. This is before iPhones. Before, yes. Stay <laughs> quiet with God. Do not spend your time in useless scrolling. I mean, <laughs> useless <laughs> chatter, right? So, um, and and then he, he goes on from there. Is this good? You liking this stuff? Yeah. You want some more? Uh, I'm shocked at how practical it is. Yeah. If teaching and preaching is your job, then study diligently and apply yourself to whatever is necessary for doing the job well. Be sure that you first preach by the way you live. If you do not, people will notice that you say one thing but live otherwise, and your words will bring only cynical laughter and a derisive shake of the head. Yikes. We talk about that in terms of what, what do we witness to our kids regarding what's important to us. I think our, our phones are considered really important to us. Do you think your show on Sound Inside is a preaching or a teaching show? 
Yeah. I mean, aren't you held accountable to this? Absolutely. I'm just on Fridays when I'm on. So, so you're only one-fifth as accountable? Yeah, I just have to spend a little bit more time reading and studying. Well, uh, yeah. So let's. are you in charge of a parish? If so, do not neglect the parish of your own soul. Do not give yourself to others so completely you have nothing left for yourself. You have to be mindful of your people without becoming forgetful of yourself. What does that mean to you? pray. It means you got to get up early in the morning. you got to pray. At la- and last thing at night, it's easy to just settle for the glass of wine in the Hallmark movie or the popcorn in the action movie. It's, <laughs> it, it just sounds so stereotypical, but it is. It's actually so confessional, Carrie. It's not stereotypical. <laughs> no, the guy watches that. Never mind. All, All right. right, go ahead. My brothers, this is again, St. Robert Bellarmine, you must realize that for us churchmen, nothing is more necessary than meditation. We must meditate, therefore, during and after everything we do. The prophet says, uh, during and after, before, during, and after. I will pray, and then I will understand. When you administer the sacraments, meditate on what you're doing. When you celebrate Mass, reflect on the sacrifice you're offering. When you pray the office, think about the words you're saying and the word and the Lord to whom you're speaking. You know what's so funny? I read this this morning, yes. Thursday morning. Yes. And I had to stop and say, wait a minute, what did I just read? You don't know how to meditate. Like, no, I, I feel- no, 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 no. Uh, when you when you pray the office, think about the words you're saying and the Lord to whom you're saying them. I'm like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What did I just read? <laughs> you read it again and thought, oh, that's funny, Lord. Because literally, the uh, the Psalms that I had prayed in that office, I'm like, did I even read that Psalm? Oh, that's so I was so distracted. Convicting. I, well, I mean, I heard this preacher say this that you know when you sit down to pray, you get distracted a hundred times, but a hundred times you come back to the Lord. Like if I'm in adoration and I'm distracted. I, I, I try not to focus, like, let's not focus on all the times I get distracted, but more, how many times do I come back to the Lord with mindfulness and thankfulness and, Lord, please help me? Which, and just what you're just reading about, Tom, I think it's so interesting how practical it is in that it's like, be careful that you don't just squander your time with idle chatter or with scrolling or with uh, organizing, cleaning. I mean, there's so many things I feel like the we- The duties in your state in life. Well, I think that we, because we're such a consumeristic culture, that you can be cleaning and organizing your home. I mean, imagine our home, homes today, compared to the little Italian home 500 years ago. It had a table, a couple of chairs. I mean, just if you even watch a movie from like the 1940s, you realize how non-materialistic those homes are compared to ours today. Yeah, it is to now. phenomenal. I mean, just the yeah. number of shoes, the amount of coats, the number of, I mean, just all the stuff that has to be managed and watched over. And, and I think that's where you come to the rule of life of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Simplicity. And I think that, you know, even with all the surpluses that are um, being, you know, mismanaged and that there's going to be this quote unquote shortage, another great gift from God that we do not need to run out and yeah, buy the Lord everything. Is like, strip down yourselves or I will I'll strip you. I will strip you. Right. He's merciful. No, humble yourself or I will humiliate you. Um, desperately fall on your face before the Lord in poverty or I will strip you of things that make you think you're rich. Right? That's the Lord. He, he loves us too much to let us be trapped in these various forms of enslaving attachments that keep us from holiness, that keep us from glorifying God. Even... We who spend time day after day speaking on behalf of the Lord, speaking words of encouragement, being overt and visible in our faith, right? One of the um, things that I... Do you want to read what you... The last thing I'll say is this, is that no, one, ahead, of the, one of the things that I had come upon was um, don't expect that 
just because you go to Mass every day, that you're going to be praying the Mass well. In fact, you need to make sure that you have personal prayer time every day in order to have that time at Mass bear fruit. Otherwise, you can just mindlessly be present at Mass, distractedly be present at Mass, or miss out on the invitation to go deeper into the incredible mysteries that are being presented and you're being drawn into at Mass. So uh, what, um, what uh, St. Robert Bellarmine ends with is, this is the way we can easily overcome the countless difficulties we have to face day after day, which after all are part of our work in prayer. And he in says meditation. meditation. Does that mean prayer? But we find the strength different. to bring Christ to birth in ourselves. We find the strength to bring Christ to birth in ourselves and in other men. So when he says meditation, he means that in a traditional meaning, which has to do with going inside ourselves, and it can be spiritual reading, that we read inspiring things that then sink and take root in our heart, yes. or it can be using your imagination and your memory to call upon the events in Christ's life and in the scriptures in our lives. So it can be more cognitive, reflective, where you're reading and reflecting and journaling, or it can be more Lexio Divina, where the word of God comes and sinks in your heart and you're pondering that word, or it can be the event in the, in the life of Christ that you're meditating like on the rosary, right? All of those are meditation. So he's basically saying, don't just settle for rote words of prayer. You need to go deeper into prayer. That effort will allow you to bear fruit in the day-to-day activities that you're facing. So, all right, Carrie, we are up against the end of our program. Have a happy, happy, <gasps> what is happy it? birthday. Tomorrow? Oh, that's right. My birthday. Thank you, dear. All right. Hey, join me on Monday. I'll be with Father Nagel and Father Lewis on Sound Insight. God bless your day.